Alrighty, we are back here on Mornings of Box 2 Radio. We're excited for our guest this morning, Brother Walid Razuru. I have his book in front of me, Why Not You? An Invitation to a Spirit-Led Life, Reaching Everyone, Everywhere, Every Day. Brothers um, Walid, how are you doing? I'm better than I deserve. Good morning. I hope you're doing well also. Oh, yes, we are. How was your toast? Was it good? Yes, I got half of it down. The other half is for you. All right, thank you. Um, that's generosity. That's that's called humility, right? Thinking of others more than yourself. That's what Philippians 2 says, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, we have been excited to hear from you. Um, looking at your book in front of us, uh, Miss Gretchen, who's in the studio as well, uh, she's been reading this book and really enjoying it. And so tell the listeners a little bit about um, who you are, your testimony, where you came from, and got you to the point of writing the book, Why Not You? Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I'm a Palestinian-American-born. My father immigrated from Israel, uh, from the coast of Israel, in 1956 to New York City on the Queen Elizabeth and um, chased the American dream here. His father was a pastor and evangelist. He came through Christ in the early 1900s through American missionaries. So we have a spiritual heritage. In fact, our history goes back to the 2nd, 3rd century, um, under Roman persecution, but anyway, <laughs> so I wasn't raised in the gospel. My dad was what mm-hmm. we term a backslider, and um, but when he was an old man, my my father brought my granddad over from uh, from, from uh, the Middle East to live here in the U.S. and uh, he was an intercessor. The man prayed sometimes up to eight hours a day, and he was praying for us and uh, as a teenager. And but anyway, so that influence was there. Uh, I, uh, my brother was a Division One basketball guy who had some scholarships on the table. He was going to meet with UCLA. And he came back talking about Jesus Christ. Well, what I didn't know is that he was uh, asking a lot of questions about true Christianity. Well, anyway, fast forward a little bit, he converted, hmm. became a born-again follower of Jesus, and I did not like that. Uh, by 16 to 18, I was already running a little international drug ring, so I was a bitter very mm-hmm. bitter young man, a lot of hatred, uh, demon oppressed in, in many ways, um, not seeing that at the time, of course, opening my mind up through different through drugs, obviously, and uh, just that hatred was in my heart. Um, and I flew to California to, to, to kill this man who I thought uh, ruined my brother's mind, and uh, that was my first encounter with the power of God. Wow, and uh, I came to see. I had quite, I came back from that experience, seeing my brother's life drastically change. You know, when he encountered God somehow, and I, I I didn't know how God could change my brother like that, but He did. So I had a lot of questions. What What does it mean to be born again? What is the Bible? Is it really truth? And is Jesus Christ really who He said He was? So I set out to answer those questions uh, uh, for several weeks, spend 16, 18 hours a day in the library, comparing Catholic catechism to the Bible, because both were claiming to be the truth. There was So that launched me on to understand all my questions were answered, and I realized Jesus wanted to be the Lord of my life, and I'd have to surrender my life and let him be the boss, and that was where the conflict occurred, so I wasn't ready to surrender. And of course, as you guys understand, the Lord wreaked 
havoc in my life in many ways. He <laughs> draw, drawing me to himself, that holy hole kept getting emptier and emptier. Mm-hmm. And by the age of 22, I was up in Philadelphia. I was up doing some of my undergrad study there. I came back to Maryland. My mom was sick with cancer, and I moved back there and finished up at Maryland. And uh, 1989, February, I cried out to Christ through a set of circumstances, brought me to a church where you know some more miraculous testimonies. But I, in 1989, I got born again by the grace of God, and it feels like yesterday, guys. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. All that bitterness immediately left. Hatred, hatred in my heart for Jews immediately left. Hatred, uh, the the the. the Sky was bluer. The, the birds sounded pretty. Yeah, all those things happened, and uh, immediately the hatred was gone, and my heart was filled with with love and compassion for everyone. And I haven't been able to stop telling G- people about Jesus since. So yeah, I feel like I'm just started. <laughs> well, let me, and I may have missed this. I was trying to hear. Uh, I was trying to keep up. But did you live in Palestine? I no, mean? I was born here. Me and my brothers were born here. I did spend some summers there as a, as a kid. Okay. Well, I do. I do speak Arabic. So, do you have do you have connections right now in Palestine with people going through everything? And how's I, I mean, have relatives in the West Bank. Okay. I have relatives who live in the West Bank, more like second cousins. Uh huh. The majority of my family immigrated here and started families here. Yeah. Uh, for many many years now, but I do have second cousins there, and hear hear stuff here and there. Yeah, it's not looking good there, folks. No. Not looking good at all. Well, let's push forward. Now, Now, God's redeemed your life. God's brought you out. Um, then I know that Miss Gretchen was saying that you you all had um, owned a pizza place. Is that correct? I came back from the... Yes, it is. I came back from the mission field in, in uh, 1991. And where was that from? I was, in, I was in Central America. Okay. I was in four countries preaching the gospel there. Wow. I was working with a Assembly God missionary, a brother named Mike Hines. I lived with him. He's a young believer. I was about three years in the Lord, very privileged to live with him, such a man of God. He preached to 66 million people. And I went down to my 20s, uh, all buffs. I used to be a boxer. I was going to be a professional fighter. And so I was just eating every two to three hours. <laughs> yeah. And this man fasted and prayed more than he didn't. Well, I eat every two hours, but it's not to be a boxer. I just like food. (laughs) (laughs) My man. (laughs) Kindred spirit, huh? Yes. (laughs) It happens. So, yeah, you had to learn survival tactics, you know, but it was an amazing influence on my life. I'm very grateful for the men of God who've gone before me and sowed into my life for sure. Yes, sir. So that was, I came back from the mission field in 91. I was working on my NTS, and uh, I figured once that's done, I would be full-time on the mission field. So in the meantime, while I'm working on my MTS through distance learning, I opened up a, a salon, a barbershop in Tyson's Corner, Virginia, mm. very central to the D.C. metro area. The, the nicest malls are there. It's an area where 20 25% of the area is employed, so it's a serious hub. And it's a, you know, it's a pretty affluent area. So we opened the, the barber shop there, International Barbers, in 19, what was that, 1993. 
uh, I, I was ordained as a deacon in 94. I was married in 93. Uh, a Mac Mission Field met my wife here. So there was a lot going on, and we were we set it up to preach the gospel from that business. And, and uh, we were reaching what, Miss Gretchen, you might have read in the book, a term called the up-and-outers. Uh, mm-hmm. Not the down-and-outers, but the <laughs> up-and-outers. And, uh, I mean, founders of, of some of the most prominent con- companies you guys would know of in, 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 the, in the U.S. here. And these were people you wouldn't get an audience with, but through the service, you know, the Bible says the man gifts makes room for himself and brings yeah. him before great men in, in uh, Proverbs. So that's what happened, you know, and, and, and I was in some ways despising it, waiting for God to send me to the mission field. I'm like, okay, Lord, it's been two years. Past two years now, I thought by now for sure I'd be back on the field. It's heading to three years now. I'm getting antsy, and the Lord just said, you're on the mission field. Wow. Mm-hmm. America needs it more. Come on. So I realized, and I always believe, I said, you know, a missionary is just a Christian who lives in another country. In other words, if we're not going to preach the gospel here, what makes me think once I get up into another nation, I'm going to start so being on fire for God? On. And, yeah. So there was, you know, I, I believe that, but it was amazing because we saw the hand of God move, and not only, we saw hundreds come to Christ. Um, we saw the power of God. We saw healings and miracles, and uh, and people wanted to, you know, it was a small place, but everybody needed to see their, that chair as a pulpit, mm-hmm. not as a place where we just, of course, the professionalism has to be there, and we, 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 we were up to par on that, and, a spirit of excellence, Daniel says, mm-hmm. you know, that we want to move in. So it's just not running our mouth and giving bad service, but <laughs> it's, nor is it just giving good service and thinking we're witnessing. Yeah. You know, the Bible says go out in all the world, and, you know, you got to preach the gospel and no one's going to get born again for sure. And uh, so many today do, do uh, believe that their work ethic is their witness, and that is a part of it, but no one will be born of the Spirit unless they respond to the gospel, mm-hmm. and no, no one will be healed, and you won't see prayers answered unless we're praying for people. So it's designed to be active and engaging. You know, the gospel is entrusted to us, the church, the believers, as individuals, to go spread that and reach people right where we are. So it's really lifestyle evangelism. It's Everyone, everywhere, every day. I mean, for years, I, people are scared. Today, more than ever, there's people sticking their head in the sand and just hoping for the best. Mm-hmm. There's a spirit of fear. And the Bible says we have not received a spirit of Come fear. Come on. Yes, sir. And I believe that spirit is a spirit. There is a spirit about it, and it's, it's a demonic one that's moving in fear. And people, mm-hmm. God has a solution for that. It's called the power of the Holy Spirit. And he came to fill us, to mm-hmm. give us boldness. So we won't be filled with fear, and we will go proclaim His love and reach our neighbors, reach our co-workers, ask for wisdom and how to do that, and, and be that light right where we're at, whether it's a, a mom going to the grocery store who feels worthless because she left her secular job and doesn't have access points, or she's not full-time in the ministry, she's just home raising uh, five kids, you know, as if it's a less deed or less valuable to the kingdom. Yeah. And... uh so absolutely, it's about being intentional everywhere, being available, constantly looking for the Holy Spirit, and just kindness, kindness expressed right where we're at really opens the door probably more than anything 
they're just engaging. So, sorry I took a side note, but for me, I ended up being in that business for 10 years. The greatest joy is probably seeing not only the Lord use us, but discipling other believers uh, and seeing the Holy Spirit use them and work and operate through them. So, through a set of circumstances, a back injury I got, uh, training, we ended up needing a larger salon. Um, and my, my children were young at that time, so we, we sold the place, expanded into a larger, another location. And uh, through another set of circumstances, felt like we could convert that place into a, uh, a pizza concept, which I grew up in that industry also. And uh, we did. We set up another uh, two corporations with evangelistic outreaches as a vision. Uh, of course, I was calling it Kingdom Investment back then. It's, you know, supporting missionaries, uh, lands, and different things. You know, the kingdom does operate with money. Mm-hmm. So there is that element. and I, There was a real grace for me to walk in that for a season of my life. And you can't outgive God, but I tell people it's fun trying. Mm. Uh, you know, <laughs> Free, freely we receive, freely we give, and that's been a real joy just to sow in the other missionaries, other evangelists, other pastors, and different uh, segments of the body of Christ, and see people flourish in, in their call, and where the Lord's placed them in the body, so we've done that for 10 years, so I'd say about 28 year, years, um, not, while that's happening, of course, I'm traveling, I'm taking teams abroad, uh, the other nations, my brother's planning churches in East Africa, our, our church is planning uh, other churches in different countries. So I'm involved in taking mission teams abroad for, I don't know, 20 years, um, preaching crusades, uh, outreaches here, taking teams, whether it's the parks to preach, the malls, uh, um, working at conferences, showing other other Christian businessmen, how, how to use their business as a platform for the kingdom, um, how, whether it's a plumber, an electrician, how can they be kingdom-minded? If they have it, how can they start becoming more that way? If they have a, a new business concept and they want to implement it for world missions and nations that don't give uh, missionary permission, they do give business permission, how do we do that? So I've worked with different organizations, different conferences, had the privilege to, you know, but always enjoying the one-on-one constantly. You know, we were just in Italy uh, celebrating 30 years, or anniversary, me and my wife, and um, had an amazing time, but I can't tell you how many people I prayed with while I'm there. I can't just, whether it's a person you're, you're looking to buy a, a, a coat from, uh, this store, that store, a restaurant, the owner of this business, uh, the salesperson, it's the same here, you know, just constantly leading with prayer, asking people, can I pray for you? Uh, it's nothing special. It's just being intentional and available, and it's amazing what God can do with a whole bunch of nothing when we give it to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I do the same thing Thank a you. lot in restaurants and stuff like that when my, my waitresses or servers. I, um Miss Gretchen said, you said the same thing I say quite a bit. Like when I'm preaching or teaching on Sunday mornings, I'm like, you know, the the way to con- to start a gospel conversation is not, hey, you're going to hell. Sorry about that. You know, um, a lot of times what I do is, and it sounds like you're doing the same thing a lot, is, you know, how can I pray for you? And 
I'm always, no matter how many times I've asked that question, no matter how many conversations started, it's actually every time almost, it's just a door open because people don't put those walls up and people don't think, well, they're just out here to try to tell me I'm going to have, no, like we love them and the father loves them and we want people to know just how much he does. And I couldn't tell you how many great conversations started with the go- like with that question that leads into the gospel, amen. leads into sharing Jesus. And, Absolutely. Uh, and amen. Yeah, definitely you get to follow up with the gospel so often after taking a genuine compare, compassion with them. The Bible says, as he was in this world, so are we. A question I get on that is, well, what if I pray for them and they don't get healed? Mm-hmm. I said, it really doesn't matter. You're not the Holy Spirit. You can't heal no one. Yep. And, but Christ told you to do this. You just obey. Mm-hmm. And lo- uh, the worst-case scenario is you love that person. They feel the kindness and the expression of God's love in you and through you to them. And it naturally opens up. You know, there was a, there's different seasons. I mean, there's times where I, I remember 80% of everyone I was praying for was being healed, and then there's other times where it was the opposite, or if any. Mm-hmm. But God's love was still going forth and being extended to them. And we're just salt of the earth. We're the light of the world. And we're still being perfected, perfected into the image as sons and daughters of Christ. It's a process. And certainly the Lord's not judging us if they're not healed. They're just He takes delight that we're willing to reach out in obedience and in faith and be an extension of his love to those around us. Yeah. What would you say to the person that's listening right now and they're going, I really, like, my heart is to share, my heart is to witness, my heart is to get out there, but I'm really not even for sure how to articulate the gospel, how to even say, um, you know, give a gospel presentation per se. Well, I have a problem with kind of saying it like that anyways. But, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's a lot of people that has that fear. And yeah. what would you encourage them to, you know, because you talk about an invitation to a spirit-led life, reaching everyone everywhere every day. How does people start to overcome that fear to even engage in that? Right. I, I, I think a couple things. Uh, first of all, that's a great question, and you get, I get it a lot. And first of all, that's normal. I mean, I'm an evangelist. I, I, I've spoken to thousands of people at one time and, and one-on-one, you know, constantly, but I, I still get nervous, mm-hmm. you know, uh, at times. Uh, but here's the thing. First of all, we have to just remember the good news to ourselves. And I think the Point, uh, this term, preach the gospel to yourself, might have made made famous more by through Jerry Bridges' book. But preach the gospel to yourself first. Mm-hmm. You know, remember it's good news to you. you know, we've been redeemed from death and destruction and the power of sin, and, and we become heirs and joint heirs with Christ. You know, we're we have assurance of our salvation because of the blood of Jesus, uh-huh. and that that's amazing. And Yes, it's okay to be nervous and fearful, but when we, uh, Proverbs 11 says, those who, the one who wins souls is wise. Uh-huh. So there's the wisdom. When we go to the Father, we say, Lord, how do I reach my neighbors? I tell people just to start in prayer. First of all, thank the Lord that you have that desire to reach them, because that's not you, that's God in you. You know, you don't care about anyone except me, myself, and I, the Trinity of the flesh. And the fact that you have a a desire to reach other people is, is evidence of God's presence in your heart. Mm-hmm. So, number one, be thankful for that. Thank you, Father, that you put that desire for my neighbor, my cousin, my coworker. because the, the statistics say that about 85% of those 
who's come to faith in Christ has been through a personal contact, not through a crusade, though they're exhilarating and fun to preach. It's, the, it's everyone everywhere. It's the church mobilizing in their neighborhood. I mean, there's no reason why each church can't double in one year. Mm. If everyone reaches one this year and starts discipling them, each church would double in a year. And is it much, is, it, is, it, is God's arm so short that he cannot save, you know? The Bible says, well, he's, is he not willing? He's not willing that any should perish, Peter says. But that also, when we're praying the will of the Father, when we're praying for souls, when we're praying for our neighbor, you're praying God's heart, and that's God's heart praying through you. So God has that much, you know, it, it's, it, we have to take the pressure off of me. It's not about me to make it happen. That's good. I, I, I try to pray for wisdom constantly, how to... How to? I just try to treat everyone as a lost brother or sister, a, a mom, a dad, a grandparent, uh, uh, a prodigal mm-hmm. son or daughter. I try to see them how Christ does through the blood. I just try to see them as man. You know, this lost soul here. So the Bible says, without a vision, the people perish, and we're the ones who need the vision. Mm-hmm. We're the ones who need our eyes and our hearts open to see. The reality of, of, of the souls around us, the reality that life is so short and temporary, and, and so it appointed unto man or a woman to die once, and then there is a judgment. How can we be so self-absorbed and walk around and not care? Mm-hmm. And honestly, sometimes it's just image. It's our image. And, and, and we have no image if we become followers of Christ. We, we, it's not I who live anymore, but Christ. What, what are we? What, what are we fearful of? We should be fearful not to tell people about the gospel. And instead of fearing telling them about the gospel, we, 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 so pray for clarity. For how can I clearly, with some, simply communicate the simple truth of the gospel? You know, have have you, has anyone ever showed you in the Bible how you can be sure when you die today you can go to heaven? If you were to die today, you can. Has anyone ever showed you that in the Bible? You know, you don't have to hit it from the negative, like you said, Aaron. You can just always approach it. Can I show you in the Bible? Has anyone ever showed you if you were, when you're to die, that you can be certain you're going to heaven? No, no one's ever shown me. May I show you? You know, the, the most powerful evangelistic tool is still the scriptures. Yet it's the it's the least used. And um, I, I I've seen people just tremble, just showing them scriptures. I have little. Bible, evangelistic, large print, simple translation. And uh, I was at a university uh, where about 20,000 students live here in Virginia. I was invited to preach over there. And people talk about Gen Z and this generation. And let me tell you something this generation is hungry for Jesus. The Muslims are hungry for Jesus. The world is hungry. They're lost. I don't find the challenge if Christians. If this generation or people are open to the gospel, Jesus said the fields are white and ripe on the harvest, amen? Mm-hmm. I find the biggest challenge is mobilizing Christians to go share the gospel. Yeah. Because right now the statistics share that only 1% of professed Christians share, their, share the gospel, share their faith. Yeah. So how are we going to win this battle? How are we going to reach the souls for Jesus? Yeah. 
And I, you know, so we have to, number one, those who are fearful, just start praying. Praying for your neighborhood, praying for your family, praying for those with sphere of influence. You can write their names down if you want, but just start through prayer. God does nothing but by through prayer, period. So start praying. And then you'll, your burden in your heart will start growing, and then, the, and then ask for wisdom. I came back one year, I was just burdened. I, it was a, the move of God in Africa, we were, I was on a crusade uh, every two, three days. I was preaching in different uh, villages, uh, helping young churches get off the ground. And, and, the, and the move of God we saw for two weeks was, was absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. And I'm on the plane and I'm crying, and I think I, think I referenced, this, referenced this misdirection in the book. Um, and just weeping. I was like, Lord, are you geographically limited? Are you not the same God in, in America? Do we have to go overseas where people are more desperate? Lord, I'm desperate. I, I, I live in a affluent neighborhood, yet they're going to hell just like everyone else. How can I reach them? What do I do? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and, and I'm weeping in the plane, and I just heard one word, the kids. The, the kids. Like the kids, praise God. April, April coming up, a uh, resurrection, Easter resurrection celebration. So I was like, what greater, what greater time than to just tell the neighbors what Easter's really about? Yeah. So we just rented a moon bounce. We we did an interactive uh, uh, Easter story with my, my my kids were small, and Mama brought out the guitar and they started singing some worship songs. All these little kids in the neighborhood are learning these songs and these interactive motions. And we had an interactive Easter story, and I got this video from, I think it was a Nest video. They did a really good job with their videos for the kids, the NEST. Mm-hmm. And um, I always enjoyed the Bible stories, maybe as much as my, my daughter did, but anyway. Well, we've got about so, two minutes left. we got about Go two. ahead. I, I, well, I'm good. So you ask me whatever you want, I'm good. So. Well, I got we got two minutes left, and I do want to read this scripture, because I think you're hitting all around it. Um, John four thirty five. Do you not say there are four more months, then come the harvest? But actually, he says, Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and just look at the fields. The problem is not the fields. The problem the laborers are looking down. And we just got to look up and see the fields, and then we realize just how ripe they are. And that comes from compassion and heart, and that comes from getting the Father's heart. And you won't see the fields right if you're just walking around looking at the ground all the time. Well, I was looking at my phone to read scripture, Hannah. All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, brother Elite, um, Walid, I really enjoyed you being on. We're going to have to do this again. Um, tell us where Absolutely. they can find your book, find, find your website, information about your ministry, how people can find more resources. Absolutely. The website is walidzaru.com, and I'll spell that. W A L E E D. Z like zebra, A R O U dot com. Walidzaru.com. You can, you can uh, sign up for our newsletter there. You can order the book through there. It'll link you to Amazon. And I believe we'll be preaching down in that area on November 4th. Love for your audience to come out, whoever's available. I don't remember the name of the church. I think Miss Gretchen does. Mm-hmm. Yes, Miss uh, <clears throat> Renee Otterburn. Uh, her and Kenny are the pastors there. It's a New Life Faith Church. It's at 3105 Charlie Moran Highway, and that's November the 4th at 4 p.m. That's a Saturday. So 
It's in Horse Cave. Love to meet you guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah, anyone come out, love to meet you guys. We'll have some books there for sale. I'll be glad to sign it and meet you and pray with you also. Well, thank you, brother, so much. Really appreciated the interview. Had a great time. God bless you, and we'll hear from you soon. Honored to be here. Thank you all. God bless you, too. Mm -hmm. Thank you. All right. Well, we're out of here for this day. Miss Gretchen, Miss Hannah, thank you guys for this morning. Uh, Jason left, so I'm not thanking him at all. <laughs> uh, but, no, it's a good day to be alive. It's a good day to go Amen. tell somebody about Jesus. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And we'll get this up on the podcast and uh, these events on the events. Page. Amen. Well, we're out of here. We'll be back tomorrow, 7 a.m. Central Time, here on Mornings of Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network.